Hello everyone, welcome back to See the Sunrise. This is season two and episode 20. Seeing the sunrise is about seeing Christ in everyday situations. In the book of Jeremiah, chapter 33 and verse three, the Lord spoke to the prophet while he was in prison and he said to him, call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. Seeing the sunrise is an opportunity to see what God is doing behind the scenes. Sometimes his presence is not keenly evident, but I assure you, he is there. All we need to do is look for him. And when you find him, you will find that you can achieve a life of hope and contentment. Each week when I post a podcast, I try to bring to light a Christian perspective of things that plague us or plague our world. My podcasts are based on things God has revealed to me either directly as well as from the opportunity that, that I've had to speak with individuals one-on-one. -on -one. It's important to me to maintain their anonymity, but also to provide guidance to anyone who may be experiencing similar and same situations. Everyone, no matter who they are, has had to face struggles in their life, and if they haven't already, trust me, they will. So why not be transparent and share these issues to help someone else or to minimize the effects it can have on them or you. My other goal is to be uplifting, to let you see that we have a God who sincerely loves and cares about us. He cares about our entire life. So welcome back. As I said last week, I am continuing the discussion on mental health. A lot of focus has been placed on mental health over the month of May because it is Mental Health Awareness Month. My blogs and devotions on my webpage and Facebook this week have focused on addressing mental health and more specifically, looking at the mental health challenges biblical fig figures faced. If you missed any of them, you can go to my webpage at mamiejohnsonministries.org and they are all listed there. In my last podcast, I spoke of the mental health struggles that were perpetuated by and through family relationships and how they can have a trickle down effect. From the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, we saw anxiety, distress, anger, fear, and isolation, which all are representative or a sign of mental unrest. And in my examination of this mental frustration that they felt, I found that the center of it began with sin. So let's take a look at a couple of other biblical figures and their struggles with the battlefield of the mind. King David, being a faithful follower of God does not exempt you from feelings of emotional turmoil such as the story of King David. When you read the Psalms, you find that there were many times that he became depressed and weary, and why wouldn't he? God had appointed him as king over Israel after his displeasure of King Saul, and although David had been anointed king, he was found fleeing from Saul. One would think that the Almighty God could easily smite Saul and put David on the throne, and all would be done, right? <laughs> well, that might work if there wasn't another opposing force whose primary objective is to remain king. Saul was refusing to accept his fate and he was going to do whatever he had to do to maintain the throne. King David's life is representative of a faithful people who follow God and yet face frustration, turmoil, depression, and a sense of hopelessness. Often when David was downcast, he would cry out to God, but then he would often end his cry with praise. It was in his despair where he couldn't see the light 
but it was when he reminded himself of the faithfulness of the Lord, that is when he was able to see beyond the darkness and he was able to realize that God is faithful and he didn't need to worry about the things that others would do to keep him from receiving what God had promised him. Remember, we have an adversary called the devil that comes at us and obviously with Saul, he allowed that to, that, that, that wedge somehow to get in there where he disobeyed God. Remember I said sin seems to, co seems to be the center or the core of mental unrest. Some examples of the Psalms David's penned that demonstrate mental, mental anguish are like Psalms 3, confidence when facing the enemy, and Psalm 6, when he prayed for mercy during trouble, and, or in Psalm 11, where he identified God as his refuge, as our refuge. In Psalm 13, it's a cry out for the deserted soul. In Psalm 17, it was the deliverance for the wicked, from, from the wicked. And then in Psalm 18, calling upon God in distress. When you take a lesson from David's playbook, you find key elements that are uplifting in the time of despair. One quite familiar scripture shows quite clearly how David handled his stress. It was what I, call, I will coin David's playbook and we get a glimpse of it in Psalm 23. Let me share it with you. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. In this psalm, David addressed what he was familiar with. He was a mere shepherd boy when God anointed him king. So he understood the role of a shepherd intimately which was to keep the flock intact, to protect them from predators and to guide them. He realized that whatever he needed, God was now the chief shepherd, but not just the shepherd, but he was the good shepherd and that he would provide him with whatever he needed and that he could rest in peace and not fear knowing that God would take care of him. David was human and humans suffer. David also addresses his soul in this Psalm. Even when his soul is troubled, there is rest, comfort, and care. The soul is that living, conscious part of the body, that part that is immortal, the part that lives on. And there are times when the soul can be so overcome with fear. Think of those bad diagnoses you receive or the unexpected happens. When the soul can be so overcome with fear, yet even in those times when you feel all life has left you, God brings you back to life. That's what David is talking about in this psalm. And when he leads him to what is right, leading beside the still water, sin is always crouching at our door, seeking to devour. But God would be the guide, his guide, our guide to obedience, that which is morally right. That's what righteousness is. Not for us, but for his name's sake. And David recognized that death would come to us all, and death is fearful. And he speaks of the shadow of death, that place that looms over us where there seems no escape. 
but Jesus, the Son of God, brings light to the darkness in the shadow. And we don't have to fear because God is with us. He, he doesn't walk. David wasn't walking alone and we won't walk alone. He's there walking with him, walking with us, guiding us. There is something about having the Lord with you when you're fearful, when you're in that dark space. What that rod and that staff is doing is warding off danger and providing steady support in what is unknown. When enemies surrounded him to devour him, to destroy him, he says he doesn't have to worry. He says he can eat in peace no matter what dangers lurk, knowing that the God, the Almighty, is there protecting him and refreshing him with the oil of his presence, so much so that it can't be contained in a single vessel, rendering his cup overflowing. Look at what blessings and what treasure he gave us in this 23rd Psalm that we too can cling to. Such abundance of blessings is received and he could have confidence and we can have confidence in the Lord who brings goodness and provides mercy. The blessings that follows him even when and if he should fall away from God, David could depend on it always and we can too. And finally, because of the reminder of the Good Shepherd, the promise of the Good Shepherd, it is the place he will always dwell. And it is the place that we too can dwell. Nothing need get you down when you remember who he is and the promise he makes to his children. There are so many more who suffered with mental distress. Moses was another one who suffered um, in mental anguish. His distress seems to be social anxiety. Imagine having to go before Pharaoh, the Egyptian king, the ruler of the land. He made many excuses not to go where God was sending him, whether, he, whether that was out of fear or whether he just didn't like public speaking because he referred to his speech impediment. He had a lisp. Whether it was that or not, God was sending him anyway. He was trying to refuse God's command, and Moses offered many excuses not to go. I want you to hear some of his wranglings with God, but I want you to also consider some of the things that God has asked you to do or, or encouraged you to do, and he's not taking no for an answer, and think of all the excuses that you made. When God gives us a command, what we can be confident in is that he will give you the wherewithal to accomplish whatever he's telling you to do. Just make sure you know it's him speaking. Moses said things like, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? And God said to him, he said, I will be with you. But then Moses says, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And, and they ask me, well, what is his name? Then what shall I tell him? And so you hear some of his fears, but you hear some of your own fears when God encourages you to do something. Are you filled with excuses and so overcome with anxiety that it immobilizes you? Listen to some of the excuses all brought about by fear. Moses said, what if they don't believe me or what if they don't listen to me and say, the Lord did not appear to you? And then the Lord says say that he encouraged him with some of the things that he had with him, like his, his staff and um, things he told him to do with it. And, and it, even in his cloak, when he told him, put your hand in his in, in your cloak and when he came his he came out it was leprous and white as snow and then he said put it back and then it was clear and he says then the Lord said if you do not believe if they do not believe you or pay attention to the first sign they may believe the second so he was letting him know 
you you're I'm going to accomplish my will. You're going to be my vessel that's going to to do it. But Moses continued with his excuses. Moses said to the Lord, he said, pardon your servant, Lord. I have never been eloquent. Remember I said he had a list. Neither in the past nor since you have spoken to your servant. I'm slow of speech and tongue. And the Lord went on to remind him, who gave you your tongue? Who gave you your mouth? You know, who makes deaf or mute? Who gives them sight? Who makes them blind? He said, isn't it me? And then he encouraged him, now go in and do what I told you. That's not exactly the way he said it. He said, now go. I will help you speak and will teach you what to say. But Moses, again, here he goes. Pardon your servant, Lord. Please send someone else. And then listen to this. God became angry. That's scripture. Because in verse 14 in that, that, that chapter in Exodus uh, 3 and 4, in chapters 3 and 4 is where his story is told. But the Lord's anger burned against Moses. And he said, what about your brother Aaron the Levite? I know he can speak well. He's already on his way to meet you. And he will be glad to see you. See, God put a, a propitiation or he put someone in place to take care of uh, whatever Moses' apprehensions were. He said, you're going to speak to him and put words in his mouth, and I will help both of you speak and will teach you what to do. He will speak to the people for you, and it will be as if he were your mouth and as if you were God to him. So we see that um, sometimes there will be situations that God will place us in, but just like David had confidence in God, he was in, Moses was being encouraged to trust God to trust the one who created the, the universe, who created the atmosphere, who created the world, who created us. Uh, God became angry with Moses because of his many excuses. But God called him and fear or not, Moses was going to be the one to guide the Israelites out of the land of Egypt. You see, sometimes God will call us to do big things, things that we just feel like we can't do. But if we could do it, that wouldn't be God, would it? He will call us out. Sometimes he calls us out of obscurity. People that no one even knows your name, and yet God is calling you to do big things. And you can't allow mental unrest or anguish or fear or whatever um, things seems to hold you back. Um, the wranglings in your mind, that battlefield of your mind, you can't allow it to prevent you from accomplishing and doing the will of God. David and Moses were not the only ones who wrestled with mental unrest. There are many more in the Bible, like Job. We know many people speak of his story and the calamity that came upon him losing his whole family, except for his wife, but that's a whole nother podcast. Um, Jonah, who didn't want to go to Nineveh, and Elijah, who has experienced so much success on the Carmel, and yet he was found running. And there's so many more, and I talk about some of them in my book, Caught in the Undertow. God's Rescue for Panic, Anxiety, and Depression. You might want to pick that up and you'll hear a little bit more about them. As I said before, your faith in God is an effective source for healing. In fact, I would say he is the ultimate source of healing. However, if your faith has not reached that level of trust, it's okay. There are so many well-trained professionals out there, and sometimes we need them, who can help guide you to get you there. Trust them. Go to them. And most of all, trust God. Until next time, God bless you. And be sure to see the sunrise, to see Christ in your everyday situations.